Welcome everyone to Fly Over Footy. Uh, hopefully this is a fun show for you guys. It's jam-packed. It might be long, so prepare yourselves. Matt's nodding his head. Matt, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm, I'm buckling up. I'm strapping in for a two, three-hour mega show. I think we can do it. No, no, definitely definitely not quite that long. But maybe, it, it, maybe someone's traveling to Columbus tonight and they can listen to all three hours. I mean, the there's... there's yeah, exactly. Take up half the trip. Uh, hopefully take up some of that time in construction that you're going to have to deal with. Um, <laughs> God bless you if you're actually tra- making the, tri- the trip. It's, yeah. you know, that, that's that's awesome. Um, but other than that, I mean, a lot of news this week. We use celebrations from Western Conference champions. We get to look forward to a championship game and all the things that that entails. Can't ask for a whole lot more. Definitely no shortage of uh, excitement going on. Absolutely. Good and bad excitement, right? Well, I don't know. We're pretty nerdy, so we got pretty heavy into the bad, but I'm not sure. We'll talk about that today. With good cause. With good cause. <laughs> It'll be. I'm excited to talk about it tonight, but before justifiable, we do... Justifiable. Justifiable yeah. rage. Santiago, how are you doing tonight, man? Uh, doing great. Doing great. Um, it's obviously great. Um, it's always a happy week when, when you have a win and not only a win but a championship and like a, just anticipation for a final uh, and that's probably new uh, for a lot of us at least in terms of St. Louis soccer so so that's great very excited I'm looking forward to it I'm gonna make the trip to Columbus and I'm gonna be calling the game in Spanish oh my go. gosh when are you leaving I'm leaving tomorrow night because, uh, and I know we're going to talk about this too, but actually that time change also had an impact for me. Uh, so we can talk about it when, when we get to that. So I'm leaving tomorrow night. All right. All right. Good. Uh, good tease. That's a good tease. It is a good tease. We'll get there. But yes, as you said, as you guys well covered in Flyover Forecast last week that, you know, this is the first playoff soccer that St. Louis has seen since 2009, which was the, what Atletico that or Atletica. Atletica. Pardon Atletica. me. Atletica. Um, last time there was soccer playoffs in the city of St. Louis. So uh, pretty exciting, pretty amazing that we've got two wins. And let's talk about that second win now. It's St. Louis, two goals, Tacoma Defiance, one. But felt like our guys controlled it for the most part the whole game, right? Let's let's start with Santiago and then Matt, you gotta you can you can back clean up on this one. Yeah, I know. So um obviously um St. Louis um was effective with the chances it created, but I was actually looking at the at the fifteen minute uh, recap that MLS Next Pro had and uh Tacoma, uh, like the first ten minutes, like they had the ball a lot and uh they um, they were close to uh, to St. Louis's uh, goal. Uh, didn't have like shots on goal, but they were like knocking on the door. And after that, St. Louis uh, had more possession and started to create some chances. Um, the ones he created were from outside the box. Um, and then uh, obviously Thomas Ostrak with with that uh, with with. I just love what he did, like out of nowhere, uh, like he was like way on the right side and then he he left a guy behind and found some space and, and what a strike. And and uh, obviously he we found out after the game that it was the, the first time that he scored with his left foot. Mm-hmm. So, uh, great goal. And um, Taco- before that, after, after that goal, uh, Tacoma also had a couple of chances to to tie the game. Uh, so it was kind of back and forth and 
after the second half, um, when the second half started, St. Louis scored like 15 minutes into it, and obviously Tacoma scored like towards the end, and it was scary, but but great game by St. Louis. I, I really like what I saw, and uh, just thinking about uh, the previous two games, St. Louis, the previous two games against Tacoma, St. Louis allowed eight goals, and to only allowed one on a penalty kick, I think um, the team really did their homework and made some adjustments to to avoid um, a lot of chances created by Tacoma and shots on goal. So kudos to them. Absolutely. What do you think, Matt? I think it, we came into it talking about how it was a lot of, uh, it was a clashing styles matchup. So it was a matchup of Tacoma's possession based. They passed the ball a lot. They were very successful at kind of wearing down their opponents. And then there was our, our pressing flashy style where we, we just don't have a lot of successful stringing together passes, uh, but we move the ball up very effectively. And so who's going to win out? Is it the possession? Is it the press? And I think if you look at if you look at the match tape, if you look at the stats, every every story tells the same ending, and that's that our style won out. Uh, we we had 15 shots, they had seven. That is a a clinical city two game right there. Shots on goal were fairly even, but the number of shots that we were able to get off compared to them kind of just shows goes to show that uh, the the close possession we made the most of our opportunities. And I, I don't think it was necessarily that. Um, we were ever taken off our game. I think ours won out, and we were able to, to disrupt theirs in a, a good number of it. I mean, they they passed the ball a lot, but they didn't have a lot of effective final third passes. And so I think when you when you look ahead, this match bodes well for how we are able to impact a team that plays a completely opposite style from us. And the the health and the chemistry of our players really shined in that game. So that was Ostrak's second goal in two games. He is clearly in form. Um, I think we have some significant depth now, despite the Klaus injury that we have kind of borderline had for a few weeks, but it really hasn't put itself together. Like in the first match against North Texas, you saw Jensen really shine, I felt. And then in this match, Ostrak continued to sign, uh, shine. So you're seeing some of these players that we brought in late in the season uh, really stride into form uh, at the exact right time but you still have those other players who got us here from the beginning of the season who are playing such a significant role and doing what they've been doing well all season. Celio creating chances outright this time. We've talked a whole lot about how his his best position, I felt, well, has been out on the left wing. And this the, the previous few games, we've get, given opportunities to Jensen, to Ostrak uh, out left, and Celio's found his way to the right, going to a point that I've made similar to Akil Watts, where if you have a, a player who you want to be on the field because of his talent, you're going to find a position for him regardless of if it's his primary or best position. And Celio, with that, the way he helped f facilitate the doling goal, I think so the doling goal in the second half would not have been possible if Celio hadn't gotten himself deep right and attracted a double press or double, uh, double coverage on top of him, allowing Max Schneider to kind of identify that there was a huge gap in the field created by Tacoma respecting Celio and making that move that he did. Celio was able to find Max, which is a very difficult pass to get past those two defenders. And once he found Max, it was it seemed like it was an easy kind of a layup goal uh, where he crossed it in doling. But again, 
Celio, guy who had gotten us this far, Max, a guy who had gotten us this far, Doling, you know, th- these guys who have just been so consistent, have remained consistent. And all of that was kind of just meshed as well as it possibly could because this was the matchup. You know, we haven't played Crew 2. We really don't know how our style is going to match up with them. But we had played Tacoma twice, and I don't think it's a stretch of the imagination that they were by far the toughest opponent in our win and our loss. And this match to me kind of put an exclamation point in our season so far. So having not really seen what's ahead yet, but everything that has led up to this point, this was a great exclamation mark uh, by our club. Yeah, I was kind of one of my favorite things you've been touching on from time to time in all the places you speak, Matt, is um, and you just said it is that we've been able to uh, no one's been able to possess the ball through us. And I, I, I was agreeing that I think we've been so effective. I was thinking no one's been able to do that. I would argue, I think North Texas at North Texas, they passed through us a few times. Um, so they're the only ones that were kind of able to do it. And they're a very possession oriented team, at least in the, in the Academy. Um, but I think like, I want to reiterate that that is like so impressive that we force teams to play differently against us all season. That's been happening. Um, and I'll just say, too, that um, I would say Tacoma and I keep saying this, but Minnesota United were two of the teams that did it best as far as like being dangerous on the counter and sending balls in like they knew how to play us and they had the players to do it. And we just did the city did so well defending that um, in this game, except for you. Know, we did have some moments where if they finished better it might have looked a little different. Those early times you were talking about Santiago, like those were very scary and they could have scored there and the game would have been totally different. But other than the penalty, once we settled in, um, I was really proud of how this team played. Like, man, they defended really well. They defended from the front really well, especially in this game. So, um, and the stats bear that out, in my opinion, in addition to the eye test. The last thing I want to say is... um, how much better does our attack look with Josh Dolling? You know, like it, it's just like night and day. It's we need a nine up there. And I do think Klaus outside of his first appearance, which he was so raw, like that doesn't count. Throw that out. No. Like Klaus and Dolling have both. We just need a nine who can finish something off and do the runs and make the runs and, and press when they're supposed to. We just need that normal, natural nine for some reason. Um, or maybe it's just familiarity. But either way, that was such a nice comforting thing to see in the Western conference final and knowing that we're going to have him in the next game as well. I think it just provides stability to what we try to do on the wings. And so, so many times you've seen crosses. I mean that we, we love to cross the ball. We love to, uh, to just give opportunity in that final third. And it goes, I I, I still remember that uh, comment comments that Bradley Carnell made in the city voice interview that he did um, with Pete Wood, where he kept commenting that, we have kind of prescribed game plans for two thirds of the field, right? We have, we have these strategies and these games, these, these plays that we, we drive up and we, we tell the players, okay, look for players here. We play balls here. But then in that attacking third, the final third, it's creativity, it's freedom and flexibility to make things happen. Let the talent shine, let the decision-making take over and allow players to find themselves in the positions they need to be in to make plays. And that entire structure, whether it's the the type of players that we have out there or the positions that they, they find themselves in once they get to the final third, it all just seems to gel 
and mesh a whole lot better when you have a, a number nine in the box, moving around the box, somebody almost like patrolling that area who's, who's familiar and comfortable and not trying to do too much beyond that. So knowing that Josh Dolling loved to, to make these runs near the box and facilitate the ball. Uh, we've seen Klaus able to keep pace with players like Ostrock and like Celio, but, but make his way into the box and always be that presence to me. That's where we saw those few games without when Klaus was hurt. And when Dolling was suspended, we saw that really, uh, become an issue when you're trying to slot players in that, like Diaz. Jensen, I thought, did a pretty good job, but when you're trying to play players out of position in that one vital role, it definitely exposed us in a sense. You were going to say something, Santiago? Yeah. So um, just uh, thinking about uh, what Matt said about not having um, Dolling and Klaus, uh, and I've been thinking about this for a while. And is more thinking about next year. So we have Klaus, and let's assume uh, Dolling is gonna sign with the first team. Do we need to have more depth at the number nine position? Like, yeah, you know, injuries and suspensions can happen. Yeah, my my first thought is absolutely we do. Um, and, and it's fixture congestion is gonna be crazy next year to a point we've never seen, even from the sidelines of MLS. But also the opportunities to have one of those three potential number nines play for City 2 and slot in meaningfully in some matches in MLS. You're going to have three competitions that City has meaningful games in next year, MLS, U.S. Open Cup, and Leagues Cup. And so between all of those, I think I saw a number that it's possible – and City won't get to this because it includes uh, CCL, but it's possible for an MLS team next year to play like 54 games in the calendar year, which is crazy. So if you're if you're even approaching 40, 45 games in a calendar year, the the idea that and especially with City Two and the flexibility that offers, I'm not saying Dolling's going to find himself with City Two or maybe somebody else slots in too. Aside from the injury factor, I just think you're going to need a reliable. Um, if not stand out number nine to complement those two. But I do like the idea that, sorry, I do like the idea that Dolling moves up because I think he's earned it. Yeah. It, I think the other cool thing is that we've had half a se- season to see that we don't necessarily look forward to using someone like Jensen as a nine, you know what I mean? Or if we have to call up Diaz or um, Celio, like we don't want to do that because we've already seen that it doesn't naturally work with our system. Now, maybe our different personnel will make that better, but how great is it that we have a season of, or, you know, partial season of trying that out forcefully and it not being ideally ideal for us. Um, I thought that was interesting. And then, you know, just to talk about, I do think we have to bring in another natural nine, like just like a classic MLS poacher nine that can score goals and come in for Klaus regularly. And then, Someone that's maybe considered above Doling, but that Doling can push and maybe overtake throughout the season because I do think that's possible. There's like a million guys I can think of right now that could fill that role that we could get in the expansion draft or in free agency that will be a little bit better than him, has more experience than him perhaps. And then as the season goes on, perhaps he could push for uh, some time. Boy, those are those are going to be some fun shows that we do 
once our off season hits yeah. looking at looking at who we might be able to sign in the expansion draft I and, know. and in free agency i indulged a little there didn't i <laughs> i like the tease i like the tease yeah um but we should move on let's preview this final well real quick oh, go real quick i do want to give a shout out to michael creek in this match oh definitely so the you had said something earlier uh, before I got uh, my eyes lit up when we're talking about number nines, um, and it was about Tacoma getting all those shots off. Uh, it's in the first half especially. There was a there was a run of play where I think they had two shots in quick succession, and Creek saved both of those. I, they might have been his only actual saves all match uh, <laughs> because our defense did a really phenomenal job, but those two in particular saved the match. If Tacoma had scored that goal, equalized. Either equalized or taking the lead at that point. Yeah, that, that, that was to equalize. Yeah, to, that would have changed the complexion of the game entirely. Mm-hmm. And and it didn't just fire up the fans; it fired up the team. You could tell that they they knew what was at stake with those two saves in rapid fire. They knew that they had to pick him up and respond. And I think that carried them through. You could see the fire in them on the field. And so, just the job that he's been doing uh, has clearly earned himself a, a spot in net for the championship game. Yeah, man. You know, I don't like to speak negatively about our players, but the, the, uh, the PK is like, he's not good at it. I think I can just go ahead and say it. It, it doesn't seem like that's his forte, but reaction saves and even positioning, uh, dude's good. I mean, I think we just saw again, not to talk back about a St. Louis player, but, you know, um, Schulte got caught out with that long bomb in that last season, in that last game. Um, he doesn't get embarrassed often. No. Um, and it happened in MLS proper twice, I think, this week, actually. So, um, you know, it, it happens. Um, but Creek, that hasn't happened to Creek. Um, and it didn't happen to Berkey, who was way out of goal <laughs> consistently. <laughs> so. Um, but hey, if you don't have to get to PKs, it doesn't matter how you perform in them. Yeah, right. no, totally. Right. It's just like I'm just acknowledging like there is this tear, this divide in my mind. I'm like, oh, man, I'm a little worried when he plays. I'm not I'm only worried if it goes to PKs, because now, like after what he did in Lose City and what he did in this game, like it's cemented. You know, I'm seeing finally seeing what I'm sure they're seeing in, in training. Yeah, yeah he has stopped one against Sporting KC a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that was like a second shot, first or second shot in those PKs. Yeah, and I don't know. Uh, I didn't go to that one, but on the on the game that went like to 15 rounds or something like that, did he did he stop any? One. Did, did oh. anybody stop anything in that? <laughs> No, I'm wrong. Sorry, that was the KC one you were just saying. Yes. Yeah, I was talking about that preseason game that went like yeah. forever. I don't know if he was playing. He might have still oh, might have still yeah, been Walker. Maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah may have been Walker. Yeah, I didn't think I didn't think about that. But uh, when when we went to Pickens against Louisville, the uh, the announcer said that uh, he had some success uh, in college. Hmm. So. But yeah, I guess the sample we have from this year, yeah, he he hasn't he hasn't stopped one so far. But but yeah, as Matt said, hopefully we don't need to go to PKs and mm-hmm. have to worry about that. Uh, let's talk about the uh, MLS Next Pro Final. Is a mouthful. Uh, let, can we address this first? The silly one, uh, the Cappies Cup. I didn't oh read, yeah, I didn't read where Crew Two got this Cappybera Cappies thing. Can we explain? Well, 
for uh, so best of my knowledge, and it, I have not clearly done a dissertation on this, but mm-hmm. they have a they have a Discord the the Nordec Cord or Dis Discord deck. I don't Discord deck. I think is what it is, Fun. and apparently they just make memes and stuff in there. And so there's this this big copy bar meme that and this these accounts that just pop up loving on copy bars, which they're amazing animals. <laughs> But they they have taken these and they've been talking about them apparently for a few years, um, just coming up with random memes and stuff. And so somebody this year, an MLS uh, Next Pro did, had an article or Columbus Crew 2 <laughs> did an article that MLS Next Pro shared. And somebody at the beginning of this year was like, we need to come up with some kind of nickname for our two team other than Crew 2. Uh, and so they this guy came up with like the, um, wh- what was it? Copy bar, copy the crew to copy bar or something like that, where they just made it the mascot. Mm. And, mm. and the, so they've been calling themselves like the, and I'm going to, I can't remember the exact nickname, but it was like the copy crew two or something like that. Oh, I don't know. Okay. But they've been, they've been adopting that, uh, in pockets of social media. Yeah. And then, um, obviously city, like we, we've seen certain like, all right, how are we going to have fun with our city two team? And, Especially, I don't know if it was in response to that or saying, oh, well, well, we've been talking about our copy bars for years, like referencing mm-hmm. MLS for the Lou and their uh, four images they came up with from team names, one of them being STL copy bars. <laughs> good. And so we've been breaking that out this year about how, you know, City 2 are the copy bars as well, or the baby bars. And it just kind of overlaps this week. And so, you know, copy you always look up. Yeah, you always look for fun chances to make something silly or meaningful. Or like I said earlier, we haven't played Crew Two, so there's no bad blood. You know, we if anything, it's you know AJ and Schulte coming back, the Slew reunion mm-hmm. type of thing. So there's all there's all kinds of fun and good feelings, but you always want to make something be more. And this is the silly way in this really silly league for us to have some fun with it. So the Copy Bar Cup is born. Yeah. I like it. I'm adopting it. I'm good with it. Uh, the next silly topic in the final, uh, the trophy. We haven't seen the trophy. Is it gonna? Mm-hmm. Is it gonna yeah. be the crooked do we arrow? Wa- do we want to <laughs> see the trophy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested. You know, at least like the typeface, the font isn't big on it. That's what I've been worried about. I mean, it could be on the final trophy. We'll see what it looks like. Yeah. I, I guess. I, I guess I will say. It, it's a nice size to hold to raise up like seeing the players with it on the field like just the nothing to do with what it looks like <laughs> shape wise or anything but like the size of the overall biologically trophy, it's <laughs> it, it's a good size for him to hold up and, and you can pass it it's not heavy it's not slippery it's like it is phallic but it's not and there you go overly it, it's it's okay to act as a championship trophy. I don't know. Tastefully yeah. done. Yeah, maybe it will look exactly the same, but a little bit bigger. <laughs> That's what she said. All right, moving on. Um, let's talk about... Uh, no, let's do the legit... Let's Let's talk real talk about this final. The only thing I know about these guys... Well, the main thing I know, and I'm going to pass it off to you guys, is that... When I talked to Schulte about the team, he talked about how they like to high press, high action. Um, they like to be high back line. So um, Schulte is exposed, but he's had a good season. And I think his defense is very good from what I've been looking at. That's all I know. Um, Matt, do you want to lead us off on this one on a few things you've noticed about Crew 2? 
they score at an absurd rate. Mm-hmm. So we talked about how Tacoma Defiance had had just put so many balls in net and they were going to be difficult to stop. They were on they were leading the the West in scoring. Everything that they were leading the West in, Crew 2 leads the league in. Hmm. You know, they have they lead the league in goals with 70. City 2 has 55. Goals inside the 18. 63 of their 70 goals have come from inside the 18, if that tells you anything. Wow. So our D, our back line is going to be crucial. And not being beaten the way that we've been beaten sometimes uh, with our with our high press getting caught, that's going to be I just incredibly meaningful. I don't know if you adjust anything on the City 2 side, because I'm always weary, right, of how much do you play to your opponent's strengths as opposed to playing your game and what what game was it uh Santiago wasn't it North Texas that uh, one of our players was tasked with marking yeah uh against North Texas um Celio Celio was in charge of Isaiah Parker mm. and um last game against uh Tacoma um uh, I didn't notice if he was in charge of a specific player but I also like that Ostrak like was also running up and down and that a couple of times I saw him like defending and mm-hmm. that was a good adjustment too. So we may see think, some of that. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think we're going to need to. And yeah. if, if any player in this league deserves man marking, it's Jason Russell Rowe, the, the golden boot winner of the league by a landslide. This kid scored 24 goals in this league. The next closest <clears throat> was 16. I mean, he, he is, and we can, we should talk in a moment about his, his, the reason he's able to play his impact and all those things, but he is the difference maker for crew too. So, uh, by himself, you know, accounting for, uh, a third almost of their goals. So that's, that's the guy who's going to be the difference maker for this club. I think, I think it's, it's. It's not a, and it's not just him too. It's it's a full it's a full team effort that they also lead the league in assists with 54 assists, where City Two has 43, next closest. Hmm. Um, so so these both of these teams do position the ball very well and very quickly. Um, Crew Two does it at such an efficient rate that if we allow ourselves to to get too high. That's my concern with this game. And, and I thought Tacoma might uh, pose the issue with their possessing, but I really think that if we get caught uh, pushing up too high, getting our defenders towards that midfield line, and we have a turnover similar to, um, I think it was the SKC turnover. Yeah. Uh, that that kind of a thing is what worries me the most, where an errant pass and and we're over because of how quickly they can move the ball upfield, and and they're accurate too. So they have they if they get in they usually score. And so I don't know. I I think this game this game is going to be won by really who can be more effective in their shots because shots are are very a strong point for both teams. Um, crew two are really good at finishing, whereas we are not uh, great percentage wise in finishing. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to make the most of our chances. We're really going to need to be effective in that final third and getting shots on goal, not just getting shots off. Uh, we also have a low percentage of, of how many shots on goal we get compared to shots. So this could be a game where we play the best versions of ourselves and yeah. we'll win it like four to three or something like that. Um, but I don't think 
I don't think we can overlook the importance that Josh Arrow, Kyle Hebert, and Ben DeRosa are going to have in this game, who are you the usual three suspects who find themselves uh, in the back most often. What do you think, San Diego? Yeah, going back to uh, Ross and Rowe, uh, definitely difference maker. So, so yeah, it would be a great matchup uh, between him and Yarrow and Heber and the Ross. Uh, I was looking at, um, so Columbus Crew 2 only lost three games this season. Whoa. Uh, one was the first game of the season, so I didn't really look much into that one. But uh, the other two losses, uh, one was a loss at home against uh, Rochester, New York, and it was a 4 to nothing uh, loss. And uh, one thing I noticed is that uh, Russell Rowe didn't play in that game. <laughs> and then their last loss of the season, uh, they haven't lost a game since July 31st. Uh, they lost 2-1 to one to uh, Philadelphia Union 2, and Russell Rowe didn't play in that game either. So definitely uh, when he's not there, um, you can tell that that they don't perform as well. Uh, just th- thinking about the game against Toronto, uh, he came out on the like 68, 69 minute uh, because he played with uh, Columbus crew uh, 20 plus minutes the day before. So if he's really going to Orlando, we may see the same. Maybe he will play 70 minutes and come out, or if they really think they need him, he will go the full 90 minutes and not even go to Orlando, or maybe he hmm. will and just be on the bench but yeah he's a difference maker a great player he signed uh, an mls contract uh, in the middle of the season with columbus crew uh, hasn't scored with crew but uh he had two assists uh, in the games he played so definitely- including his first game with with him yeah yeah wow. so definitely making a difference there and great prospect uh for columbus crew Cool. And that is a good measuring stick for, for Dolling to kind of circle back to that. Um, yeah, the, I am just, I think that is, this is going to be the biggest like, like for like team we're ever going to face. And I'm, I'm actually kind of excited that we've never seen them kind of makes the excitement a little bit higher, a little, the unknowns, you know, a little bit scarier, um, which, which makes it more exciting in some ways. Um, I'm just wondering if the Eastern Conference is also a little easier than the Western Conference in this case. This is like the first conversation anyone's really had about that difference. Philly Union 2 is in the East, so that's one reason I might not think so. Um, Lutz seemed to think Rochester was pretty good, so maybe they were a tough out. So, I mean, the last time Crew 2 lost was, well, lost in regulation was in July against Philadelphia Union. Yeah. So they, they haven't lost a match in regulation since July 31st. And mm-hmm. so that that kind of form is indicative of their entire season. Like Santiago was saying, they've only lost one match at home and it was to that other good team in the East Rochester. So this this team and, and, and obviously they're playing in uh, lower dot com. So yeah. the, it's going to be a little higher stakes, higher visibility, maybe some jitters on both sides potentially. Mm. But I do like the fact that this league in the, the single elimination playoff format has provided the clearly the best two teams in the entire league facing each other. I think I, I love when that kind of thing happens where you don't get any fluke victories, you don't get an any given Saturday type situation. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy when the championship is the best two teams yeah. from the regular season. Number one against number one. Yeah, I agree. Yep. 
And yeah, I, I, I'm, I think especially listening to you guys talk about what you know about these guys, I, I'm really scared. Like if anyone's going to steal one from us, even if we play better than them, a team that finishes well is the scariest team for, for St. Louis City because we don't give up many chances. But when we do, it can be pretty, you know, a good finisher is going to going to take care of business. So a little scary, but um, I do think we will be the better team. I'm just kind of wondering how it's going to play out. Um Let's get into this next thing and get it out of the way. Um, we've all been getting, I think perhaps we've been working each other up throughout the week because <laughs> we've in our DMs, we've been really upset about this whole time change. And, and Matt, I want to start with you because, first of all, you polished the hell out of my article, opinion <laughs> article that I put out. So thank you so much for that. But um, I don't know. Everyone I talk to has a different reason they're angry about this. So that's been the most interesting thing to me. But what did you think, Matt? Well, let's level set real quick. So what happened was the both both conference championship games were last Sunday. Uh, ours obviously was after Columbus, so we knew that Columbus would host. That that was known from Sunday afternoon. As soon as they won, we knew that they would be hosting whoever they played, Tacoma or St. Louis. Um, so the league knew right then and there, not that they didn't have time to plan for eventualities, but they knew right then and there, this was happening in Columbus, mm -hmm. uh, 10 o'clock, a little after 10 o'clock central, I believe 10 the league actually, yeah, 10 away, <laughs> the league actually announced that the start time of the game would be five 30 Eastern four 30 central. So that, that was known Sunday night. So anybody from St. Louis who wanted to travel, anybody uh, who was making plans for a watch party, for for staying, going, whatever, clock started at 10.08 on Sunday night. You start making your plans. And for any of us who have traveled for uh, playoff matches in any sport, there's not much leeway. There's not much runway to when they announce a time to uh, at the end of the regular season to uh, when the start, the matches start. And then in the playoffs, it's even shorter time. So you're always scrambling. So when you announce a time for a playoff match, uh, less than a week out, like you need to stick to that. That's not something you change. We're not talking about a preseason match. We're not talking about a regular season match, like playoff games take priority. Hmm. Like you announce it. It's a big deal. If, if you are a league who values your playoff structure and your teams that are playing in that and the fans that those teams have, when you announce a playoff, let alone a championship game match, you stick with it. And so for a day and a half, from Sunday night to Tuesday morning at, what, 8.30, we were operating under 4.30 Central. So anybody who wanted to get a flight to Columbus, anybody who wanted to drive to Columbus to bring their families, to work out logistics of we're not going to do this activity because we're going to travel. Anybody who wanted to organize a watch party, because there are numerous watch parties being organized in St. Louis, anybody indoors and outdoors, anybody who's organizing these knows, or if anybody who's organized anything knows that when you're working with a venue and you're trying to get space, you're trying to block off something like that venue needs to know. And there needs to be a plan in place that you have it for three hours, four hours. And that's, that's that. You know, it's a, it's an agreement. So Tuesday morning comes and it's not that. And again, it's not that it was moved in general because the argument that I hear have heard constantly for the past two or three days is that games move like that. We we've seen it this week when a blues preseason game was moved because of the Cardinals playoff game. 
A, it was a preseason game that was moved. And B, reasons were given. So that's the other factor to this, is that when MLS Next Pro announced their reasoning for this, it had absolutely no information. It was new time. <laughs> End of story. New time, same mistakes. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and there was a tweet. So they tweeted it out. And I'm talking to my wife about this during the day because we're like, is this actually happening? I know. Because we're checking the tweets. We're refreshing the website. The website didn't get updated for at least six hours after they tweeted it out. Yeah. FOTMOB, God help them for wherever they pull their data. They were probably still looking at 3 p.m. on Friday that they had been showing days earlier. <laughs> so not even the league could get their ducks in a row on the day that they announced the change. It's almost like it's almost like that they let their intern who had been working for them this summer <laughs> press the button to send and then get out of Dodge. Because there was no follow-up, no it, like zero from the league at all about why this was changed. And I do feel that they have a responsibility to tell their fans and communicate in the slightest manner why. Because at that point, you could see in Facebook fan groups, on social media, in person, families having conversations about, okay, we were talking about going, clearly can't do that now. Uh, we were talking about having a watch party. Uh, what are we going to do about that? We were talking about, and this is personal experience, we were talking about having a watch party where we could get a very specific type of screen structure that would work at 4.30. It's not going to work at 12.30. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to have to literally scramble with two or three days notice to get something that will work. Like all of these things impact a lot of people. And yes, games do get moved. Playoff games, championship games do not get moved unless dire circumstances arise. And so that what are these dire circumstances at that point? We're left wondering and scrambling to figure out not just what do we do about this, but pitchforks. Well, who are we pointing our pitchforks <laughs> at in all of this? And the two popular causes that people could figure out were the Ohio State football game, which we know Columbus, Ohio bleeds the Ohio State. So that's not out of the realm of possibility that the game could have been moved to facilitate people, executives potentially watching an Ohio State game. An away game. An away game in Lansing, Michigan. Yes, an away game in Lansing, Michigan, which is just, if you think it's okay to move a game because of that, that makes it more absurd. The fact that that game, that game time has been known for weeks makes it impossible to accept on good faith that that was a cause because you're, you're either saying that the next pro executives are absolute idiots and did not do their due, due diligence in even researching anything going on in Columbus. And somebody didn't say in the weeks leading up to this, Oh, I think our number one team is probably going to host because they're the best team in the league. What's going on in Columbus that we need to consider for our final. Oh, Ohio state has a game at three o'clock that day. Oh, we better not make our match anytime between three and six 30 or so when they scheduled it for five 30. So that idea was out there. The other idea that came across was MLS decision day is Sunday, the day after this match. We just got done talking about Jason Russell Rowe and his importance to both teams. The golden boot winner in MLS Next Pro and just signed to a crew deal has played for them numerous times, including as a sub last week. Crew, the crew are still fighting for a playoff spot. So this is a big match for them. And they're going to want all the firepower they can at their disposal, even to be available. 
you know, not saying that Russell Rowe is going to play, play significant minutes or anything like that, but they want to have him available. So that's, to me, that's the given is that an MLS club, and I would expect city to do the same when we can to prioritize their first team. That, that just makes sense to me. You want to make the playoffs in your MLS side. I get it. So you want to make Jason Russell Rowe available. You want to make Mohamed Farsi available for those matches, for that match. So the crew, it seems at some way discussed with the league that these players are going to play on Sunday. If you want your golden boot winner to play with you on Saturday in that match in your league's championship, your game cannot be or needs to start at 1.30 Eastern time. We need to get him out of Columbus, down to Orlando with time to spare so he can be ready, fit, and available for us. And all indications at that point were that's viable. You know, otherwise he would have had the game would have ended at 730, assuming a private jet. Maybe he gets down to Orlando by 10 o'clock and then they have a match at I think it was 130 on Sunday. So you're looking at 14 hours, 15 hours between landing to playing on the field after a plane ride. That's not that's not great. So the problem and I'll let you guys take it from here is that seems to have been confirmed this week. The fact that however it played out, whether it was crude telling MLS next pro, this is what you need to do. If you want Jason Russell Rowe to play in your championship, if you want, if you want your golden boot winner to participate in your championship game, this is what you need to do. And MLS next pro said, okay, we'll do that. Despite the agreed upon given time to both clubs in all fairness, you know, that you be ready, you play at this time. It seems like, and, and the problem with that is, is it, it did seem to be confirmed. So, yeah. So, and just to kind of one other thing to note here is that I didn't even, I was like, no, surely they wouldn't do that. That's way outside of the bounds of what's like good and normal for a league to do for multiple reasons. We'll talk about in a minute. But we asked them, like, hey, why? We kept asking the league, like, why did this happen? No response. And the longer the silence went on, the more I was like, maybe they're right. Maybe they're right. Now, Q Santiago Beltran the other day with Lead Air Sports, uh, you found something out with, with Coach Hackworth, didn't you? Asking the right questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so when, when we were at the media availability, um, I asked him about Columbus, and he started to say, yeah, they're a good team. They have uh, players uh, with great potential, some have minutes in MLS. And then he started to talk. He started to say, like, and they even, like, changed the game time to have two of their guys join the MLS team in Orlando. Um, so that was it. That was uh, obviously nobody else has said anything. As Phil said, the league never had a statement. But from what Hakor said, sounds like that's the reason why well and, and it's i mean i said this in our dms when when somebody is silent and they give no reasons as to their action the reason is always worse than the silence like or, if there was a or there's a legitimate like, they have to deal with whatever we assume which is often the worst right it's, it's kind of but saying even the same if thing. it is but even if we assume that then their admission to it is that much worse of a it's not even an implication at that point Mm -hmm. it's an admission because it's 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 guilt in what they're doing uh to change a start time that they'd agreed upon to give an advantage to a team when 
it seems like, again, this is the implication, is that it seems like Columbus had said, this player is not going to be available to you for our crew two team because we need him down in Orlando. You've had the start time at such a late time on Saturday that he's not going to be able to make it and be in match form for us to potentially call his number on Sunday. And because how else would the league have really known about his potential availability? You're not going to move a game four hours up if you assume or on a whim or on a hunch. Yeah. And so um, just to give a little bit of defense, I thought, you know, we posted this in the city fans um, Facebook and I thought Jason Petrillo gave the best defense, which Matt, you did touch on the fact that this happens all the time in multiple leagues. The cards are doing it to the blues. And, and like you said, it's preseason. There are a lot of like, yeah, buts here, but um, this happens a lot. And Matt, you also mentioned that if they just hadn't made I wonder this a lot after I posted it. I always get a little buyer's remorse when I put a mean <laughs> article out there. But, you know, like if the original sin had been fixed, if they just announced from the beginning, 1230, they'd considered all the facts. Would we be so upset? Guarantee you St. Louis fans, yes, would be upset. We were upset that it was at 430, right, on a Saturday. Like people were already upset about that. But the f- if they had gotten it right from the start, is this just PR moves gone bad or is it more? You know what I mean? And, and so I'm, tr- I'm just yeah. trying to tell myself, to be fair, maybe if they just handled this right, I wouldn't be so angry. But I am. And, and you know, you know, maybe if I mean, there could have been the same types of thoughts, but I think they would have been framed so differently. So we could have still assumed we, we probably would have been wondering why such an early start time. Yeah. Like. You know, it's not like it's being streamed on TV or it's not streamed on ESPN Plus. It's not aired on ESPN, ESPN2. So they don't have linear considerations. They wouldn't anyway because of college football. But it's not like they're getting ESPN Plus here. So, you know, they don't have to they don't have to wait for prime time. They don't have to necessarily so they could do it whenever, really. So we would I know I would have been looking for like, all right, what other reasons could there have been for a twelve or one thirty Eastern kickoff time in Columbus? Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Ohio State game would have come up at some point thinking, all right, they don't want to conflict with Ohio State. And if that had been the original thought, then that may have won the day because the the idea that they moved it because of the Ohio State game, to me, is the, one of the most absurd thoughts since mm-hmm. that game had been set in stone for a while. And, and that, that almost um, puts a level of, and I mentioned it earlier, idiocy on the executives for having moved in and not realized that the game had already been scheduled when Columbus loves Ohio State. So if they had originally put it at 1.30, then that may have made sense and it could have been the end of the story. Yeah. Okay, they, they just want it there at that time because obviously if you put it, uh, at, I think at the end of the day, there may maybe have been a Blue Jackets game or something like that. But it wouldn't have really no, because that's pro- happening right now. Tom Timmerman has great commentary on Twitter between. Well, that's uh, that's tonight's Blues game. Yeah, that's what I mean. But uh, but I think the Blue Jackets play again on Saturday night. Oh, is sorry. My point. Okay. But um, the other the other notion that we have now, which is the to me the more damning one of moving it so that you can facilitate another club's players who would not have been available at that time by club choice. Um, it might have been thought of, oh, this well, this works. This works for the crew and crew too, because now Russell Rowe and and Farsi can travel. So it wouldn't have been they scheduled it. I don't think it would have been they scheduled it so that they can travel. It's like, oh, well, this works well, so now they can travel. It's a, it's almost like an effect, and it's not the cause. 
So I do think that had they not goofed and announced a time that they had to switch, I think the narrative would have been completely different. It would have been a non-story. And we all would have moved past it as just, all right, it's early, it's next pro, they're avoiding conflicts locally, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, and I think I think for the most part, I agree. I wouldn't have written like a, a piece about it. I wouldn't have like yelled in our DMs about it. Um, if it had gone down that way, it would have like I rolled and been like, of course they did this and probably for for them to make it to the Orlando City game. But the way that it was handled, the thing that makes me the most angry, and that's why I decided I was like, I got to think deeper than just like being mad about a time change and about these guys traveling because I'm a St. Louis City fan. Something that is, I think, troubling if you're just a United States soccer fan is the mm-hmm. fact that MLS has this reserve league. They pulled all their teams out of USL, which is good and bad. I mean, that's both. But the fact that they're choosing to cater to their um, senior league, MLS proper, in this situation, they're catering a final to help MLS an MLS team with their regular season game um, when they're also on the other hand, the other side of their mouth saying they want to bring in 10 independent clubs into the league by 2026. What independent team wants to come in and be good enough to make it to the final? Let's say it was, you know, you know, Rochester playing some other team that needs someone to, on Sunday night. Um, an independent team, is gonna have to, is gonna have to bow to MLS Next Pro changing the rules so that MLS teams can have, you know, their bottom two attackers for the last season game, regular season game, and in, in, in their in their season. I just it to me, it's just unprofessional. It's it's like declaring, shouting from the rooftops that you are a reserve league and you care about what you care about. And I don't know why any independent team would look at this situation and think MLS Next Pro is going to have my back. They're going to give me a good competition level. They're going to give me a fair competition. Um, I just don't understand why anyone would consider that if not just for money reasons or political reasons. Um, Well, that's it. It, So I I think that that was the biggest problem they made is that they, this is unprofessional. It's not something that a normal league would do. It's only something that a reserve league would do. And I think that's the message they sent with this decision. Well, that's the, that's the thing that makes it not just a St. Louis problem Right. where one of the other things we've seen is, well, you're just, you're upset because now St. Louis has to play a better quality player. No, that's not it. You know, we've we've beaten a team's best quality players before. It's it's not even that it's the principle of the matter. It's that the league's clearly showing preferential treatment to a team uh, to facilitate their desires and their first team. Yeah. And and the notion that it has anything to do with City Two also having MLS caliber players on our team completely misses the point and is just the the most aside type of a comment yeah because it it doesn't it has nothing to do with the players that are playing if jason russell rowe um didn't sign for the crew and he had been playing for them this whole time and he was available for them like we're playing him he's part of their team it's no big deal yeah let's be super clear that this isn't about jason playing 
in the final. Like we want to play their best team. And, yeah. And if we exactly. lose, we lose. I want to play the best they got. It's moving everything, screwing the fans over and him making this. You know, if they wanted to make a choice, they should make the choice, not the league. Or um, sorry, crew should have made the choice. Do we want him for this game or that game? Because MLS Next Pro should have been like, this is the day we're doing it. This is what we said. It would be unprofessional to change it. You make mm-hmm. your decision. We've we've we're standing here. And I'm even wondering, like, maybe MLS Next Pro didn't have a say in this, too, which is maybe another worry. Maybe MLS mm-hmm. said you need to move this date. And they were like, we well, can't do that. We announced the time. This is unprofessional. Like it makes you wonder how deep this goes. That's like, but that's like saying the right hand is doing something without what the left hand, the left hand is telling the right hand what to do because all all checks a VP with MLS as well as president of MLS. Yeah, you're right. So you're right. Yeah. I I don't know why, why MLS will want that scenario. Like, um, and Phil, you made a great point. Like this is a reserved league. It's a development league, so this shouldn't even come into play. If those guys uh, were going to go to uh, Orlando and play for crew, um, that's great. It's like those guys are moving up, are graduating from MLS Next Pro. That's actually a great look for the league, and and uh, I, I hopefully this doesn't happen. But imagine if if, if Ross and Rowe scores... Uh, in MLS on Sunday, uh, or even if he scores on Saturday and scores on Sunday. But what a great story for the league will be if he he foregoes playing in the final and then on Sunday, starting or coming from the bench, he he has a great game. That's a great story for the league too, uh, which is something that may not happen if he if he goes 75, 80 minutes or even 90 minutes against City two and doesn't have a chance to to play on Sunday. So. So I will see it from that angle. It's a reserve league. It's a development league. So having players playing in the next year, which is MLS, is, is good for the league. Yeah, they missed the final, but they're moving up, going to the next level. So, And that's where practically they get into the sticky situation of you're trying to lure independent teams as well. Phil was saying they, they want to get 10 more at least. And so if you're luring independent teams while making decisions fully – uh, acknowledging and and looking like your development league that prioritizes MLS, your your team's MLS club. Uh, so if if we had been, um, I don't know, an independent team instead of City Two, how would we have felt about this? Where we don't have a future MLS team to look forward to to take advantage of this kind of situation. You know, feel like we joined a league, and yeah, it might be cost effective to be in the league in in general. But you know, at what point are you, is it like? What what's this all for? If we're getting jerked around in the championship game, moving around time so that certain other key players can play for our opponent, who just happens to be a two team. Yeah, I love. I think it's a good one to end on, Santi. I love that you took the emotion out of it. That they should see this as a good thing. Like I don't know what you know. We could have just made a decision and moved on. It could have been just a wonderful thing. Um, it's they, all they muddled. They should have just waited. They should have just yeah. waited to announce it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we're from St. Louis and this is a St. Louis podcast. So we had to get emotional about it. I did for sure. Um, I feel that I feel that caps a little bit of the week because it's been one of those weeks where yeah. this has been per, uh, such a pervasive thought every single day. It's more discussion. It's more like 
why are you this angry about it? Or why aren't mm-hmm. you angrier? Because, you know, see people who are actually affected by the travel or can't go or ch- all that stuff. I just feel like this is cathartic in a sense. Yeah. And it sucks that uh, some people that were planning to go now won't be able to go. Obviously, it changed plans for a lot of people, even for City 2. They initially yeah. were to travel on Friday. Now um, they travel tonight. Uh, and they are in, in Columbus now, which uh, we were talking about this in our DMs. Like mm-hmm. for me, uh, I, I'm i thinking this is good for them because they will be in Columbus all day tomorrow. They can practice, go to uh, the walkthrough in the stadium and don't worry about, don't have to worry about flying on Friday, the day before the game, if there is a delay or anything like that. So I think it's actually a good thing for, for the team. Mostly it changed their plans a little bit and, and they had to to adjust. But for the team, I think it's, it's good. It's actually good that they are in Columbus starting tonight. And um, I was gonna, I'm gonna tell you very quick about my situation. Initially, I was gonna travel on Saturday because yeah, game is at 4.30, 5, 5.30 local time. I was gonna fly in the morning, get there at 11. I, I didn't even know if I was gonna be uh, calling the game or not, um, I wa- but I wanted to be there, even as a, either as a fan or calling the game or just sitting in the press box. I didn't really care. But um, then uh, when we knew we were calling the game, like getting there like Saturday at 11 was risky. So I ended up uh, changing my flight. And to complicate things, uh, I have tickets for the Cardinals game tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, basically flying like really late and... I'm not gonna get to Columbus like until midnight or past midnight, but wow. one, I'm I'm excited about it. But you get to see the game tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I get both both things. So uh, love it. I'm excited. Good, good, good. And we wish you luck in that one. Um, let's move on. We're gonna stick with the MLS theme here. Uh, I'm just gonna read a quote because it was just too good not to read. <laughs> Lutz Fan and Steel said, "We don't need a no. PR player. We will have our stadium full regardless." Uh, Love that St. Louis. That's like that St. Louis soccer pride. Uh, very bullish there. If we play against a Disney 11 with Goofy and goal and Pluto as a number nine, we'd still be sold out. Come on. Disney 11 to Tom Bogert. Great article. Doesn't this sound, like, doesn't this sound like the lutes that we've all heard over the past couple yeah. of years? Like the, you can picture him <laughs> saying those words and, and with a smile on his face and you know, like the, the mannerisms that he would say something is, is hilarious. No, as that. the most lutes fan and shield comment is we don't need a designated player. We need a designated team. That's the most uh, lutes fan and still comment. I love that designated <laughs> team comment. I, I really good. like it. I, I know a lot of people will be disappointed when, we have the full roster, but he has been saying it for months or even now more yeah. than a year. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he, he means the system when he says designated team. Mm-hmm. Like, right. And right. I, I do like how there's an exclamation point in that sentence in the article. Like, we believe in DT, designated team. Like, you <laughs> right. know he was yelling that at Tom when he was saying it. Yeah. So um, good. Great article. Now that, and he breaks but, down, like, you know, what – he's talking about how we, they may be done with um, – international signings he's not saying he, he wants any more necessarily by design yeah by design yeah he, he was saying that we wanted to say we already have the bulk of our work done in the international market the strategy was to sign international players in the summer then focus on the domestic add players from mls this winter which we've talked about ad nauseum of that's that's what the plan always has been when people are like why aren't you signing domestics like they wanted to do this they did this mm-hmm. you know check 
and his definition of a designated player. Like he doesn't think about, well, I got three, four slots. I'm going to go after these guys to fill those slots. No, he figures out a good value, a good player, and he goes after that player. And if that player happens to have a transfer fee that dips him into a designated player, well, then I guess he's a designated player. You know, Berkey's not. You know, it, it's so cool. I liked reading that. You know, there's some worries because, like, maybe he should be counting them up. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, well, I, I like it. I like it. And and so, you know, I, I think this is a nice tease for what we're going to do in the next few weeks after the after the season wraps for City 2 and before the expansion draft on the 11th. We're going to do kind of like a soccer 101 on MLS roster rules, which I think will help level set and set the stage for what is really going to be just a fire hose situation that happens in November and December where we, we literally build our club then, but what tools do we have at our disposal to build our club and what does it mean to be a DP player or not? The thing that really struck out is when he was talking about the only reason here that our two DPs are DPs was because of the transfer fees. And so a lot of people may assume that we're paying Klaus or Leuven really low salaries, but not necessarily the case in order to be a designated player, you have to be making over you know at the this is the the absolute minimum that you could be for a dp where anything else is off the table uh 1.6125 million a year that's where you're ineligible to have any other roster mechanisms buy down your salary so so it seems like that either we're choosing not to use tam money and they're being paid lower or they're making around that that amount of money because we know or we've seen from transfer market that Klaus's transfer fee was around three million. Uh, Leuven's was about one point one, and so you know I could see a situation where Leuven might be making around max Tam deal, so one that one point six million or so at the most, and then his transfer fee this year is causing him to be a DP. Now both of those players are under contract for three three years for Klaus and uh, four with an option for five for Leuven, so. That's saying that this year they're DPs. They could be reclassified if that transfer fee only hits this year. Mm-hmm. So we'll find out. We'll find out so, more about that. So Matt, the transfer fee only hits like the first year. The team has discretion on how they apply that. Oh, okay. So, so if a player's uh, on a three-year contract and their transfer fee is three million, they could spread it out okay. a million each over, or they could take the entire hit, uh, make the player a DP one year, and so that's just part of what they paid for this year. And then they can move on and uh, convert him to a TAM or GAM deal after that. So I, that makes sense. This is where I pulled the leash back a little bit. These are all sorts of things that are going to be in the 101 episode. <laughs> we'll yeah. get like really deep on that for sure. Spoiler alert is going to be a four hour <laughs> yeah. podcast. It might be multiple episodes. <laughs> multiple parts. We got to talk more about this. <laughs> You know what? You know what bothered me though on this article. Getting back to it, you know, since we're let's stay fired up about yeah. this stuff. So the thing that bothered me about this article is, um, and this is the Homer St. Louis for sure, because I, I can picture myself on the opposite side if something like this had come out with Charlotte. I'm sure I would have been all over them for days, but it's not. It's us. And there are two quotes. Those two quotes that you mentioned are 100% being taken out of context by people. Not even out of context. They're being read incorrectly by people. The first one about we're not really on the hunt anymore for DPs. I cannot tell you how many comments on Twitter and Reddit I have seen already. And this the article just came out like five hours ago, like yeah, seven or eight hours ago. Just came out this afternoon. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen people say, 
well, they're not going to sign any DPs. This is Cincinnati 2.0. They have no, like you're saying you're not going to sign any DPs and expect to be competitive. Like, are you insane? So the notion that we're not on the hunt anymore for DPs, particularly to your point, Phil, of we're not targeting a super expensive player to be brought in. We have two designated players on our roster. We've already signed them. They've been on our roster for months and we signed them at least nine months before our city teams taking the field. So to say that we don't have DPs, A, is just factually, you're not reading the article. You you saw the headline and you ran with it, which is, it was a terrible headline because we have DPs. And the second one was, uh, and I did, I did enjoy the thing on Twitter where somebody listed out a City 11 Disney lineup. That was pretty hilarious. Yeah, where uh, awesome. Pluto was the number nine. Goofy was in net. I think Mickey Mouse was the number 10. Yep. Mulan was out wide right. It was good stuff. Um, I really thought Ariel should have been a box to box, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I was disappointed with Winnie the Pooh when oh. uh, being one of the center backs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not he's not going to handle that high press yeah, very well. He won't. <laughs> but no, the, the the quote was: if we play against a Disney eleven with Goofy and Goal and Pluto as nine, we'd we'd still be sold out. With the notion that it doesn't matter who we play mm-hmm. or what kind of opponent we have on the field, like. And so people are seeing if we play against the Disney 11 thinking we could throw anybody on our roster and people will show up. The idea that St. Louis soccer fans are just going to go for the shiny new stadium. They don't care the quality we have on the field. He knows he has a sunk audience. It's absurd. <laughs> so, again, not reading the words that he well, said. It's people that don't know what St. Louis sports is culture is like. You know, but you got to live they, here to know. Even if they do, like read the words that are in the article before you're going and saying <laughs> the exact opposite of what he's saying. Like that bothered me to no end because I saw I saw the comments before I read the article and I was like, there's no way he <laughs> called our he said that we could field a Disney 11 and still sell. It. There's no and he didn't. <laughs> and, and I think Taylor Twelman like put it really well. He's like, but you better win if, no matter who you play in St. Louis because you'll hear it from the fans. If you don't, they'll go, but you'll hear from them how mad they are. So that was a good point. Um, but You know, I think we need to be careful. I want to speak to St. Louis fans, especially us nerdy ones. Um, We have a lot of pride in our sports, and I do think that St. Louis fans are some of the best on the planet. We all know why, right? And we have a lot of pride in it. We got to be careful how we speak online because there's like what Lutz said there is there's already people. We love that attitude and we have that attitude, but there's already people out there that are like, oh, St. Louis thinks they're the best. The pride is really shining. Like, like it's going to come across as full of ourselves or, you know, like we got to be careful how we speak online, but it's, it's not fair because I do think our culture is cool and it's being read wrong. Like you're saying, Matt, I I think people misunderstand how, how we feel out here. Uh, It's neither here nor there. The other point I want to make is I constantly have to remind myself that MLS fans, there's so many, there's thousands more than there are in the USL. And they're just like so ignorant. Like they know nothing about soccer. Like our soccer 101 should probably Uh start several steps back because I saw someone asking about the minor league system and how it works on Facebook today. Like they have no clue what's happening right now. And we got to realize that when we're reading these comments. (laughs) Yeah, it it will start with how MLS was founded. I'll I'll tell you that right now because I had a question. Somebody asked me. That's how you make the money. Well, but somebody somebody told me they didn't even realize MLS had a salary cap, and so oh, if, wow. which isn't isn't a dig on anybody who doesn't no, know at all. It's yeah. just the 
at that level is where we need to start. And the reason they have a salary cap is the reason that they're single entity is the reason that they were founded mm-hmm. is the reason that they still exist today. So all of that plays together that we, that'll be what we get into. Yep. Totally. Now, one thing real quick is uh-huh. uh, I, I caught this as I was uh, uh, scrolling Twitter a little bit just now, but I noticed that Lutz actually seems to have responded to a couple of those quotes that uh, Tom Bogert tweeted. So then this was, so we're recording this. It's almost 10 o'clock on, on Thursday. He just tweeted these out 20 minutes ago. Oh. Um, so he quote tweeted uh, the, we're not on the hunt anymore for DPs quote. And he says, we already signed two DPs, but the team will be the key, not any individual player. We're building a squad, which fits to our city philosophy, playing style and values. This is how everyone at the club wants to achieve success. Mm-hmm. And then he quote tweeted the Disney 11 tweet <laughs> with, we are lucky that people of St. Louis support their teams unconditional. We will build a squad that will give a hundred percent commitment at all times. We want to bring players with passion, spirit, and hunger. This is our way, the city way. Perfect. I saw that too. That's really good. Um, while we're one more topic, we got to cover on MLS, and it'll lead into another qu- uh, tweet from Stuart that was well said. Um, a fourth DP slot is likely going to be added. Um, so you know that has massive implications, and might change you know what was even said today. Although I imagine he knows that there's a fourth one coming if there is. But anyway, what'd you guys think about that? I, I'm not a fan of that. Mm. Uh, I would rather increase the salary cap over adding a four DP. I bet Lutz would agree with you. Yeah. Specifically for St. Louis, it it will work well, but I think the league will have a better chance to grow if it uses that money to increase the salary cap. Um, bring more instead of one player per team that is more competitive if you increase the salary cap you have chances of filling those roster spots uh, 4 to 20 or now uh, 5 to 20 uh, with better quality players if you are able to uh, to get our players that don't have that high salary but are competitive in other leagues um, so I think the league will grow more and faster if the salary cap was increased but that's my take yeah you guys may have a different no i totally agree and i I, if if there's increased money coming into each team to do something with it uh to impact the team i would love to see an overall expansion of what teams can do from the the bottom up and sam stasco and paul tenorio do a great job on allocation disorder of all the time breaking down what would make mls better and more competitive from the top to the bottom compared to these other leagues and how can these teams compete better internationally in CCL in leagues cup upcoming, you know, what, what's it going to take? And it's going to take more talent in those non DP spots, more talent in those non TAM spots. How can you raise the floor for a lot of these teams and give flexibility to more of your options uh, for the teams that want to spend? So you have to bring up some who are, there are definitely some owners who don't want to spend. And so they have their, their nested floor that they can just, lay up against so the ideas of bringing up the floor which would uh force teams to spend more money but also i like the idea of the increased salary cap um and and doing something different with those roster mechanisms to allow you to to pay more money to more people and that's and you can bring in more talent like you're saying the problem that i see with what was reported 
is that uh, and it was a very quick report that it was it was attributed to the Apple TV deal. So an extra 250 million mm-hmm. coming into the league per year over 10 years. So 2.5 billion cumulatively. Uh, plus at least so there are incentives for streaming that they could get more but that's that's baseline and so they mentioned that with those broadcast rights this could come a new possibility for more international figures to arrive in the north american league and according to a member of the galaxy uh corroborated by uh rodrigo serrano reporter from this website said that the contract with the apple company could open the possibility of a fourth dp player now that to me tells me the priority is not in overall uh, growth of the league or teams, this particular reasoning is to bring in another star international player that you can market overseas. Because the Apple TV deal is a global media rights deal. So Apple TV, every country is going to be able to view MLS. And so if you're if you're tuning in in Pakistan, in Denmark, in Norway, wherever, and you see one single Norwegian star player who is signed to a DP spot, that could be your MLS team now. So that's the kind of mindset I think that they're going to with this is to open it up for those individual stars in countries they might not have a foothold or just expand the opportunity that they know they're going to have a media presence now in those countries. Yep. Uh, I mean, that's a good transition. I just want to say that Vermes was like the first to kind of get this idea of like paying medium salaried people more and getting better from you know five to 20 like you said santiago and that was when tam and gam came along and so it's like uh, for some reason they got to have some kind of rule with every good idea you know and and ruin it in some ways and i think it's been helpful it's been good but anyway another fourth dp i, I agree with everything you guys said um but all that um apple tv money and growing the world game as far as growing MLS's brand in the world um, leads us straight to the 2023 Leagues Cup format was announced today. Santiago, I saw that you posted that. I'm, there's a lot, like they're taking a whole month off. There's 77 games. Um, why don't you kind of, if if you can, give us a few more uh, of those details, Santiago. Yeah, yeah, I hope to not mess it up again. Um, so when we were talking about this before in our DMs or even after previous podcasts, it is stuck in my head that uh, there were going to be 15 groups and each group would play in one city. So when I read the press release, I missed the part that said that the second uh, MLS team in the group will host a game. So I was thinking all the games will go to the same city and therefore St. Louis will not host a game, but that's not true. St. Louis will have a chance to uh, host a first round game and depending on how they do, if they make it to a second round, there is a chance uh, that St. Louis hosts another game. So from that standpoint, I think it's great that every team will be able to host at least a game because we were worried a little bit about, okay, so St. Louis is going to, go to this tournament for a month, not have any home games for a month. Um, but the fact that everything will have at least one, I think that that's a relief. Um, but I think um, it's going to be great to to have both leagues and there are some pros and some cons. Uh, I saw um, somebody tweeted uh, that, okay, so the teams that get eliminated on the first round, they're just going to have to sit for two weeks, two and a half weeks, and, and wait until 
the league resumes again. So that's a concern, but maybe the league will have a plan for that. Um, still have a, about eight months, nine months to, to plan for that. Um, but I think it'll be great for, for the growth of MLS to, to have uh, MLS teams uh, playing against uh, League IMX teams. Um, mm -hmm. Great to... Uh, and uh, the other thing I like, um, before they made the announcement, uh, they had a, a tease video that, that showed like some matchups and St. Louis City SC was, um, was matched against uh, Necaxa and then there was uh, Necaxa versus uh, Portland Timbers. So when I look at that, I was like, oh, okay, so maybe St. Louis will play against Portland Timbers and Necaxa, but that was just a tease. And they have uh, some rules about uh, how the groups will be structured, which uh, I'm sure Matt knows all about that and could cover that uh, better than I would. Well, I want them to play San Luis. Isn't that a team in Liga Max? It was. Atletico St. Louis. Hey, that would be the St. Louis Classico. St. Louis Derby. Yeah, St. Louis Derby. Good. What do you think, Matt? You know, I, I've, I've been excited for this tournament um, ever since it was first announced. The, the, the way it's been structured the past few years has been boring and hasn't meant a single thing. Um, the, the fact that there are three CONCACAF Champions League qualifying spots on the line it makes the tournament meaningful other than just two leagues facing each other um i really don't think that it can go underappreciated just how big this is that two leagues are stopping play for an entire month to play each other mm -hmm. in this world cup style tournament it's it's unique it's exciting i think it'll do a lot for the game in north america and it'll be on apple tv which will be again available worldwide so you're getting that level of exposure to um, uniformly across the world. And I think uh, from our perspective, so I, I do like that they announced everything, kind of the formats, the um, they they carved it up, yeah, like Santi said, between um, 15 teams, like so there's, the, there's the MLS Cup winner, and then there's the uh, teams ranked two through uh, 16 on the supporter shield who will be in a group of 15. And then there'll be the remaining 13 MLS clubs are going to join with the remaining two um, Liga MX clubs to form this uh, group stage. So those are going to be geographic. And so I was looking at who could we have in our in our group geographically from MLS. So if you figure there's going to be um, potentially what two MLS teams and a um, Liga MX team or three MLS teams, well, uh, Sporting Kansas City finished twenty second. Chicago Fire finished 24th. Yeah, so. Seems like that's going to be our group. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, the other teams, you know, you've got D.C., San Jose, Toronto, Houston, Atlanta, Seattle, New England, Colorado, maybe, depending on where they look. Uh, Charlotte, Vancouver. That's that's the bottom bottom half. So all those teams are eligible to be in our group um, along with, gosh, I haven't even looked at Liga Mackey's. I'm not sure who those two clubs could be. Um, they might not have even figured that out yet because their season wouldn't have finished yet. Yeah. But I do think, um, I do work. I, I think it could be exciting for St. Louis. I could also say that if we go out early, it could just be um, more or less a boring three weeks that I hope our team does something on the field to not just keep the players sharp, but interact, uh, get get the fan engagement remaining high, mm -hmm. whether it is a friendly that they can organize Maybe it is a friendly against another MLS team that has gone out 
just keep keep sharp. Let the fans um, continue to build the excitement for the rest of the season. And that that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. The the one rule that this tournament has adopted that we've come to know and have a love hate relationship with is the notion that there are no ties in this tournament anymore. So we finally see fruits of the MLS next pro labor where pioneers pioneers and apparently successful or viewed as successful. I don't know. (laughs) So same rules though. It's one team, one point each. If you're tied after 90, you go straight to PKs and then the winner gets an additional point. So that same hockey style rule that we've, we've come to experience um, I guess, I guess they found it successful. I hope they get the other ones in there too. The red card rule and the, the medical rule. Medical I wonder rule if especially. they, the medical rule, especially that is, I'm, I wonder if they're going to let that go a little bit next year. Cause they've, they've only rolled it out for what, two or three months. Mm-hmm. And this tie rule has been out there for an entire year. I think they've seen either, um, a lack of caring about it or I a noticed. modicum of success when it, when, maybe when it comes to, um, the standings because I, I actually haven't looked to see how impactful those points here and there have been in the overall standings. You can't imagine that much given that the league was so top heavy and next pro. Hmm. But you never know. In a so, group stage, it'll it'll feel different, I think. So Matt and I probably didn't understand this um, from the rules, but I don't think we will play. We will. I don't think there's even a chance for us to play. Sporting KC or Chicago because they would be part of that same uh, group of 13 MLS teams plus um, two Liga MX teams that will be on that pool of 15 that will be allocated to the other groups, I guess, very based in terms of geography. And that's how I understood it, but maybe I'm wrong. Groups of four, is that what you mean? It's groups of three. Oh, okay. Um, so oh, I see what you're saying. So you're saying that I. So I read this wrong then, because and that makes more sense, I suppose. So you're saying that you're taking essentially seeding. So you're taking yeah. those uh, supporter shield ranks two through sixteen, and each one of those are drawn into groups. So you may end up with um, like uh, one or one or two in a group, and then mm-hmm. uh, Liga Mekis teams are ranked two through sixteen, drawn to be in those same groups to fill up right. those groups, and then. The remaining 13 clubs, SKC and Chicago, um, and St. Louis, and yeah. St. Louis are going to be drawn to fill in those other existing. Okay. That, that's, that's the way I understood it. But that makes more. Wrong. I mean, that makes more good sense because I, yeah, very good catch. Because I was reading it thinking, well, this doesn't make any sense. You're t- putting all of the best teams in groups together, and then all of the worst teams in groups mm-hmm. together. Like the year away makes a whole lot more sense, and uh, probably should have read that correctly from the get go. But with that in mind, if it's seated geographically, we're looking at um, Nashville, I guess, as the closest. So yeah, the closest will be Nashville, uh, Columbus, Columbus, Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati. Depending, also depending on what happens this weekend. But based on the current standings, I think those will be the closest. So yeah, there's still well, Cincinnati and Columbus are still up for grabs because if you're if you're getting down to that 16th spot, um, Real Salt Lake is currently sitting 16th with 44 points. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Cincinnati, Portland, Columbus, all with 46 in those 11, 12, 13. So that could change pretty drastically. But teams like SKC and Chicago have no chance to get above that. Right. So. So, yeah, you're you're right. If it's, that's that's likely what it is. And so we would not be in SKC or Chicago's. We would be Nashville, um, 
Nashville, I would think, if if that would be the closest, because they're going to finish in the top 16. And then depending on what happens with Columbus and Cincinnati, they'd be options as well. Mm-hmm. Well, to close out on two quick topics, I think we'll close out with this. I don't think we should comment on it. It's getting pretty late. Uh, something else to consider. This is a tweet from Jeremiah Oshan. It's at least theoretically possible that an MLS team could play 34 regular season games, seven (laughs) League Cup games, six Open Cup games, and eight CCL games. That's 55 games. That won't happen, but it's possible. Meanwhile, there will be uh, MLS teams that play as few as 37, 34 MLS, two League's Cup games, and one Open Cup. So that's kind of what Matt was saying is like, or no, Santiago, if, if we don't do well in any of these tournaments we're not going to play very many games that's actually going to hit your pocketbook i imagine as well um so that's um stewart had a a quote tweet on that saying that we need a deep youth system it's going to be essential in 2023 because of this um really looking like a strength for st louis city using the youth in a format like that having a million tournaments throughout the year quick thoughts really quick thoughts yeah one more topic yeah, so just thinking about that possibility of a team playing that many games, I think you're gonna it's gonna come down to some things will prioritize um, Open Cup or League's Cup. I don't think there will be a team prioritizing both. And then if you mix in uh, Concacaf Champions League and MLS, uh, I don't think there will be a team that say, okay, I'm gonna go for it on all of them. So I think. Right, right off the bat, there will be teams that will decide, okay, Open Cup, I'm going to play my young guys and maybe put some of the guys from my MLS Next Pro team uh, because, yeah, it's, it's too many games. And especially in, in the United States with the calendar so condensed and uh, starting so late, like February or March and uh, going into late November or December, um, it's, it's too many games. So we're going to see some of that, that some teams uh, – right of the bat one put their best um, 11 or even if you go all the way through 15 to 20 you won't see a lot of those players and you will see more uh, younger guys playing in some of those games i think the u.s open cup is where it's going to be sacrificed yeah i think so that's the only thing i hate about this i know remember the apple tv deal part of it is all of the games are going to be standardized to Saturdays and the occasional Wednesdays. Yeah. And so we know the season is starting um, early, end of February. February 25th is week one. We don't know how many teams are necessarily playing, but we do know Galaxy, LAFC are playing um, El Trafico on February 25th. So the season's starting in February. I, and that is directly attributable to an entire month being taken off. So I don't know if they're going to be ending uh, in November again, it or December rather. I think at least uh, November, kind of like they are this year, if not a little later. But it, to me, the more I think about it, I wonder if it's necessarily fixture congestion in the sense that they're going to have midweek matches uh, and then weekend matches constantly, or if it's just going to be like attrition where you're just going to have a game every single week from February to November, nonstop, and you're just going to tire your legs out over the course of a few months. Um, because the U.S. Open Cup to me is that main midweek issue. And so if you're going to have matches every single week, so you know potentially uh, 45 straight weeks, no break of matches, 
and then you have a few midweeks, you're obviously going to just say, okay, our, our two teams are going to take center stage for the midweek matches. Um, the whole point of taking a month off that they said last year for leagues cup is so that the teams could put out their best players and not mm-hmm. squad rotate. So that, I don't know if they're being, um, requested in the sense that, uh, crew requested MLS next pro to move their championship yeah. game. <laughs> but I could see that being kind of like an expectation that this is a tournament you prioritize the CCL spots are at stake, put out your a game. You have no other matches. That's the point of, of that window. Um, but I think there will be, you know, open cup is obvious. It wouldn't surprise me if, um, there is more rotation just globally that we've, that leverage the two team players. Um, and that's why I think when we're talking now about which two team players are going to move up, it's not necessarily about which are going to move up this year, which are going to stay with city two and sign supplemental deals that can then fill in next year because the, 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 world is opening up quite a bit for how many spots you're going to need. And we're going to be using all 30 of our available slots quite a bit next year. And those will be filled with uh, city two regulars. Yep. Uh, more jobs for soccer players in America. That's a good thing. I'm excited to see what, what Lutz does with his, with his uh, scouting. And um, you know, this is an idea of all these things might be, have happened if the open cup could make some money you know what i mean like this could have been the open cup that's a sad thing i love 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 bringing league mx in there but like open cup is just becoming an afterthought more and more and i think the main reason is because there's no money in it like there is in this league cup thing um last thing is santiago can you tell us about Bayer leverkusen You've been on Me? this for a long time, and so get us up to date. <laughs> yeah, so um, obviously we have seen some rumors, um, and I think the first rumor was two, three weeks ago about a possible friendly um, in November. Or I, I think the rumor started there's going to be a friendly against uh, Bayer Leverkusen. But there wasn't a date. Um, I actually heard about this, um, I think, month and a half, two months ago, uh, from someone I know. But uh, I couldn't like confirm it with someone else. But I knew about it, and um, what I know, and I have confirmed with someone else, is that it is scheduled for November 16. Now. Um, the big question is if Centina Stadium is going to be ready. And I think that's why it hasn't been confirmed and announced officially. But uh, last week, um, Bayer's, uh, one of Bayer's uh, executives uh, talked about it. And um, it sounds like it's going to happen. But I just don't know with the situation at Centina Stadium and if this is going to have to be postponed because it's not going to be played anywhere else it has to be at at Centina Stadium so I think we'll find out more I was thinking more that okay maybe CDSC is waiting until MLS Next Pro is over and then they'll make the announcement but I think it makes more sense that they're just holding until mm-hmm. they have more information about Centina Stadium well they've been burned once on that right and right. they're not going to want to get burned globally by announcing it and then having to back out of it and so that and that Tom Timmerman tweeted out a response to somebody asking about uh, the Leverkusen game, saying that it's not going to happen unless the stadium's ready to go. And as of now, 
today, the stadium isn't ready to go. Mm-hmm. And they're to your point, Santi, they're not going to play that in Edwardsville. They're not going to play it. It's slew. It's that's not where they're going to host Bayer Leverkusen. But that's still confirming that there's a pretty strong relationship going there. Official, unofficial, who cares? Like they talk, right? That's pretty awesome. So, you know, maybe we can add that to the depth conversation in the future as well. That's it for today, though, guys. If you've made it this far, appreciate it. Look forward to speaking to you guys after the final. Santi, Matt, thanks for joining me. Love talking to you guys. Always a good time. For now. Great times. Bye, everybody. See ya. See ya.